SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It's Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid. Today, of course, is Wednesday, October the 7th, 2020, with a ton of of baseball postseason games coming up in just a little while. Of course, the NBA Finals rolls on, but for how much longer has to be the question at this point. And certainly the NFL will be back on the field tomorrow. I am Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia, and certainly it's going to be a, a heck of an interesting day and in, in 24 hours, I think, for a lot of people playing fantasy football. I don't ever recall mm-hmm. uh, more uncertainty going into a week in the history of fantasy football uh, than there is this week. So uh, certainly we have a lot to sort of sort out, I think, this week. It's a good thing it's waiver wire Wednesday, and uncertainty is definitely the correct uh, verbiage to be using. There's no doubt about that. And uh, hopefully we'll give you some names and maybe some names outside the box too, because I know we have some discussions here that we're going to get into about a couple players and maybe some of their backups. It might actually start to get some tread here as we head into bye weeks, because it is week five now. We're starting to see some of the buys creep in on top of the COVID stuff. So it's going to be a wacky wild Wednesday, no doubt about that. But a lot of power last night in baseball, a lot of fun games to get to. And boy, no shortage of things to talk about today. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and and certainly it's it's I I think the dynamic for fantasy football is is definitely so interesting. And then really at the end of the season, the healthiest teams are going to end up winning. It may not even be the most talented teams, and that's sort of the trend that we're headed toward. We'll get to that here in a second. But let's start off with our headlines here on this Wednesday and the Los Angeles Lakers in a uh, well, I mean, look, the Heat did cover this game, and, and LA sort of took over in the second half and. In the fourth quarter, you didn't really have a doubt that they would win. It just came down to would they cover. And look, Goran Dragic couldn't play in this game. He tried. It looked like he was crying pregame. Uh, unfortunately, he just can't play on the plantar uh, fasciitis injury. And, and I don't think that you'll see him again. Bam Adebayo looked like he was playing with one hand. And the Lakers are one win away from the NBA title. And uh, they're going to play Friday night. So they got a shot to win it then. Maybe at that point. Uh, the Heat can rally for a win, but I, I think that it's probably a foregone conclusion at this point that the Heat's not going to win three games in a row, unfortunately. Uh, also, uh, bad news for more Miami sports here. The Braves uh, rallied in the seventh inning to beat the Marlins by scoring six runs. Miami led four to three in this one, and then the wheels fell off in the bullpen, and now they're up against it, and they'll play at 2 o'clock Eastern today. Houston Astros were up against it again yesterday. They came back. And now they're up 2-0 in the American League Division Series. Later on in the show, we'll hear from George Springer, who has been the postseason hero for the Astros this go-around. The A's certainly now are uh, really up against it. They have to win three Mm -hmm. games in a row, which definitely seems unrealistic at this point. The New York Yankees started Davey Garcia, then pulled him after an inning. Very bizarre way to go about trying to win a postseason game, but that's the way they did it, and they almost pulled it off. Giancarlo Stanton... Uh, hit the longest home run mm. in Petco Park. It was 458 feet, something like mm-hmm. that. But like everyone says it was 500. They lose to the Rays 7-5. <laughs> to five. The Dodgers, uh, before I went to sleep, was watching the game. I'm like, wow, they're going to get no hit through six innings, seven innings. They were getting no hit, and then they rally late to beat the Padres. And so this is who the Dodgers are. They're just very tough to beat. And then, of course, we have the NFL situation, the gift that keeps on giving, the uncertainty with COVID-19. The Tennessee Titans with two more positive tests today, and now their game Sunday is in jeopardy against the Buffalo Bills. And if you pay any attention to social media, and again, I read it, 
and I don't necessarily get caught up in it, but there seems to be at least a growing sentiment of a chance that they're going to have to postpone this game and the Bills would end up getting a 2-0 win if indeed that ended up being the case. And the Patriots game's also in jeopardy as Stephon Gilmore tests positive for COVID-19. So uh, a lot of good and, of course, unfortunately some bad with, uh, with the NFL, uh, really a disaster for what they're having to go through right now. But uh, look, they, they just basically uh, you know are going to have to go through this, going to try and figure out a way to finish out the season. It won't be easy, Joe, but at some point, they'll, these teams will play and they'll finish it out. But there, you know, some teams may have to get postponed. I mean, there's just nothing else. There's no way other around it at this point. So, no, and this is probably not the end of it all. Too, maybe it's just the beginning of it all. So there might be more postponements and other adjustments you're gonna have to make. Uh, with going into the season, we had said on this program many, many times, you have to make adjustments in your league for this. You have to have COVID list sort of uh, situations, IR list, IL list, whatever you want to call it. And then I think you also had to extend the benches a little bit and let people draft another player or two just to cover themselves. And we've also been talking quite a bit about the backups on teams. And I know we're gonna get more into that a little bit today. But this is always going to be a war of attrition it's going to be a war of health it's also going to be a war of how aggressive and smart you are playing the waiver wire taking shots on certain players making certain trades so the season for fantasy football is far from a loss but it is certainly complicated however this is not a surprise it was always going to be complicated and it's basically playing out here the first couple of weeks were sort of like oh fantasy land okay everything's going to be fine and now we have the harsh reality of things and we have to deal with that and we have to make sure we do not throw in the towel and on the baseball side my goodness that home from giancarlo stanton that home run last night well i i couldn't believe it was only 450 when they said 450 that looked like it was 600. i mean he hit it into a section of a ballpark that i didn't even know you could hit a baseball into it was not enough, unfortunately, for the Yankees, but Tyler Glass now pitched well. Uh, one error by Herrick Hosmer was kind of the opening of the floodgates in that Padres game for the Dodgers, and obviously a lot of fireworks going on in that Braves-Marlins game as well, so a lot to get to here when we come up on the show next. Yeah, and we'll go through our fantasy standouts in the Division Series, American League and National League Division Series, also coming up later in the show. Dr. David Chow will be with us to go through the injuries in fantasy football, and of course we have a game scheduled for tomorrow night with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have all kinds of injury issues, and so they're uh, having to fly out today, as a matter of fact. So we'll see who's on that trip. That'll probably be more of the determining factor as to who plays in this game, and so we'll get to that as well. Don't forget our YouTube channel, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is up for you there on demand. All of the shows that we do here are posted there, so you can create your own playlists and Watch all of our shows if you like. But if you're just watching this show today, thanks for coming aboard. We'll be back right after this here on Fantasy Sports Today with our standouts. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Full slate of baseball coming up a little bit later. And, of course, we'll keep you updated on all of that. Also, Scott Farrell, want to make sure you catch his show going coast-to-coast later, as well as in-game live. Those are two shows. If you've never heard about them, go to sportsgrid.com, and you can learn more and learn how you can watch all of our shows on demand here on SportsGrid. Let's take a look at some of the fantasy standouts from both the American League and National League Division Series from yesterday. If you're playing over on FanDuel, 
Here's who really helped you out. And we'll start off with George Springer, who hit two more home runs yesterday for the Houston Astros. He is now the Astros' all-time postseason home run king. That is wild. Mm. Two hits, three RBIs, two runs for him. John Carlos Stanton certainly loves Petco. I think that that is very clear at this point. <laughs> Never had success like this outside of Miami and San Diego, that's for sure. Two hits, two home runs, four RBIs, two runs, and they lose. How about that one? Uh, Randy Rosarina also homered again yesterday for Tampa Bay. Again, I'm going to have to put his name in my back pocket for uh, 2021. Two hits, a home run, an RBI, and a run score. This this kid was nowhere close to anything like this with St. Louis, so it is really remarkable to see his turnaround. And then Nick Anderson uh, had another big game for Tampa Bay, struck out four. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Rays uh, struck out the Yankees 18 times. I think that breaks the all-time record for a single postseason game. And we'll hear from Nick Anderson coming up a little bit later here on Sports Grid. But first, before we do that, let's hear from Giancarlo Stanton, who joins a very elusive and exclusive club of Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, the homer, in four straight postseason games. And he talked about that accomplishment, or basically didn't talk about that accomplishment last night. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, but that's that stuff uh, you look at after. Um, after the year's done, uh, but it's definitely cool. Uh, the didn't know didn't know any of that, so that's cool. But uh, not a thought right now. Joe, for sure, the Yankees are definitely hitting the ball. They don't have the pitching the Rays do. They don't have the bullpen the Rays do. The series mm -hmm. is tied at one. It's now a three-game series. And I could really see this going the distance without a doubt. And look, there are going to be games where the Yankees are able to outslug their opponent. And if they get into a slugging match with the Rays, they're probably going to win more than they're going to lose there. But certainly at the end of this series, we are going to look back on this game and wonder why the Yankees chose to start Davey Garcia and only pitch him for one inning as well. And that seemed to be their doom in this one. It does feel like the Yankees got a little bit cute in this. Maybe it won't matter. Aaron Boone's done a really good job as the Yankees manager, but unfortunately for him, if they lose, a lot of people will go back to game two and play the Monday morning quarterback and say, why? Yeah, and rightfully so. Uh, look, Nick Anderson did a great job getting out of a pickle in this game here. Uh, shut down them in a big moment, shut down the Yankees lineup. But look, I think if you're the Yankees and you look at things, you say, okay, we have Snell and Glass now in the first two games, and you split those, I think you would sign up for that anytime. So I think they're looking at, all right, what are we going to do in these next couple games there? And they feel confident, obviously, against Blake Snell. And Glass is the guy that's given him more trouble anyway, even though this was a a winnable game for the Yankees. And in a short series, every game that's winnable is a game you want to take advantage of. However, I think the Yankees are still pretty confident in this series. You're right. The bullpen is very good for the Rays. But you know what? The bullpen's pretty good for the Yankees last time I checked as well. They got some good arms with a lot of playoff experience there as well. So this is going to be a really good series. I think we all thought it would be. And uh, going to the other guy who's hitting bombs too is George Springer. I, you know, I know that probably the Texas team and probably the Mets will be looking to spend some money. But do you think that the Marlins feeling so good about Alcantara and Sixto Sanchez, do you think they might get into the George Springer sweepstakes and start to spend a little money this offseason? I think they'll spend a little money, but I don't think that they'll ever pay anyone $200 million ever again. I just don't think that the uh, market can support it. And and so, no, I, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I think there's a shot that they would offer JT Realmuto a contract of like 100, 150 million mm -hmm. just to see if, if it moves him. But Springer is a $200 million player, and I don't see right. Miami in on that. But, you know, some of the teams that we've talked about before that have some money to spend is a possibility. But the one thing that I've heard all along here in the last couple of weeks 
is it's very uncertain how much teams are going to be willing to spend. And I mm. think that Springer will be okay. And I think that JT will be okay. But I don't know that for sure because of the dynamics of basically the teams for the first time ever. You could honestly, so like when teams say they lose money, I don't believe it. But this is probably the first time that I could say that they did. They had no fans all year. So, right. yeah, I mean, at this point, that makes sense. But how they project this moving forward, I'm not sure what free agency is going to look like. But I don't think that you'll see record-breaking deals given out. I do think Springer will be okay, and I think JT will, and maybe even Bauer. But I think the middle and the low-end guys are really going to be in for a wake-up call, unfortunately. All right, over to the National League Division Series. Travis Darneau is finally living up to all this promise of, of what a year he had and another home run yesterday for him. This guy has been fantastic for Atlanta this year. Two more walks. Braves did a great job snagging him from Tampa Bay, and he was a big reason why they won yesterday. Ronald Acuna Jr. led off the game with a home run, and we'll get into more of that as he was hit after that point and and then slid into second base and spiked Miguel Rojas. So there's a lot of bad blood going on between Miami and Atlanta. Brian Anderson who didn't get a hit in the postseason thus far, got three hits yesterday, so he sort of has turned it around. A great bullpen and great starting pitching for San Diego. Clevenger got hurt, and then they brought the bullpen in, but unfortunately, eventually, it, the Dodgers got to him, and Walker Bueller struck mm-hmm. out eight in four innings. He did walk four. He's been a little wild over his last couple starts. Turner was good as well. But clearly, look, everyone has now at this point the Dodgers winning. It's probably they should with no Clevenger, no Lamette. It's, it's, they got an uphill mm-hmm. battle against them. Now, Miami, on the other hand, has their hands full, not just with the Braves, but with the idea of this controversy now that they have hit Ronald Acuna Jr. several times over the course of the regular season the last two years and now even in the postseason as well. And after the game, the manager of the Atlanta Braves, Brian Snicker, talked about his star player getting hit several times. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just, you know, he hit a long homer and got hit with a 97. I mean, it's – it's uh, my reaction wasn't good. I mean, I, I was – so, you know, it, it, it was unfortunate. I'm sure he – I guarantee you the kid wasn't trying to hit him. But, you know, in that situation, I think if you're going to go in, you better, you got to make sure if you go in, you don't hit him. I mean, and it comes to a point where you keep dinging that kid that you're, you know, that middle of the plate's been taken away. So, um, you know, it was just, it's happening too much to that boy. Really tough situation there. Marlins are trying to get him out and they keep hitting him and it happens over and over again. Uh, Also, after the game yesterday, uh, when Ronald Acuna was hit by Sandy Alcantara, he did take a couple of steps toward the mound with his bat, and the starting pitcher for the Marlins, Sandy Alcantara, talked about what happened at that point. Yeah, he don't say say nothing, and I don't say nothing, too, you know. Like I say, if he's ready to fight, I'm ready to fight, too. Well, Joe, so that's kind of where we're at today. Now, I wish I could have used the, the... the video and the audio from Don Mattingly, who spoke about an hour ago and was really spirited about uh, some of the discussion there. And, and I think that what Mattingly basically said today is that rivalries like this are good for the game, but the idea of having fights and the idea that it's being blown up on social media and things of this nature is probably not the best thing for the game. So, look, the bottom line is, is that they have been unable to get Ronald Acuna Jr. out. And they have to pitch him in. And it's the only way to do it. Some teams are not willing to because they are afraid they're going to hit him. And the Marlins are not. 
So uh, look, today, as of now, and I've checked in several times here with MLB, they have not issued any pregame warnings, which means if a guy gets hit today, no one will be thrown out as of yet. But Joe, this this is not going away anytime soon, and, and I'm just hoping it doesn't carry into today. I mean, the postseason, so. Well, I mean, look, it's it's in the postseason already, so it's going to carry in. Uh, I I might be in the uh, in the small grouping here that's really kind of I don't know looking forward to today's game because of it, not because I want to see violence, but because it's been a really long time, maybe since the old school, you know, Yankees Red Sox rivalry that you see two teams that really don't like each other. It doesn't happen all that often anymore because everyone jumps from team to team and everybody's buddies with everybody. I saw the Acuna social media posts; they were hilarious. Look, it's almost like building up for a big entertainment moment here. Like two teams that really don't like each other battling in the playoffs. I think this is good for Major League Baseball, personally. Yeah, and Tampa Bay and New York, uh, they were warned before their series uh, there would be no fighting and they expected a clean series. They haven't done that yet with Miami and Atlanta. I wonder if that will happen today. If it does, I'll let you guys know. We'll uh, have the update next in a little way. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The NFL is back on Thursday night, and some key decisions are going to have to be made for a lot of people in fantasy Coming up this week, and Joe, something that people can do is sort of take a look at some advanced metrics and statistics to make some better decisions, and that is what we are going to be providing for people on today's show. Yeah, and look, some of these are a little bit more common than others, but I think they're all important, and I think it's more important for even the casual fan to start looking a little bit deeper into the football stats. I know baseball is like the king sport when it comes to despats. You can you can measure so many things in Major League Baseball, so much so that it'll make your head hurt. There's a stat for every stat, and then there's three stats after that, and I think it becomes a little oppressive to anybody who wants to even start to dig into them. So with football, we're starting to get there, but it's not nearly as tough as baseball. So these are helpful in terms of evaluating players. And the first one we're going to talk about is the yards after catch, which again, this is a more common one, but something that I think it's more important to look into a little bit because we're trying to project rest of season for players. You'll see Robert Woods at the top of this averaging 9.2 yards after catch. What that means is Robert Woods is making more of what Jared Goff is giving him. And that is very important. When you're looking and trying to evaluate talent here, especially talent that's coming off a relatively quiet week, I think you look at the second half of Robert Woods from last year and you look at what's going on with this offense this year, which is a better, improved version of the Rams offense, I would say overall, despite last week's shortcomings. But Robert Woods at the top of this list is, I think, a guy that you could make a trade for this week, a guy that is sort of making his own fantasy points a little bit, and that is very helpful. Mo Cox, a guy that we're going to talk about in the waiver wire segment coming up next, is right behind him at 8.8. You don't see this a lot necessarily out of tight ends, but there's actually two tight ends on this list. And what this tells you is Mo Cox is not only catching them all, but he is tough to tackle. He's a big-bodied guy, and I know going into the season, everybody was looking for Jack Doyle to kind of be the guy at tight end. Phillip Rivers has a really good history in fantasy with the tight end, but it turns out that Mo Cox might actually be that guy. Got a touchdown last week, and that was pretty much the only highlight in fantasy for the Indianapolis offense. Defense, very good. Jonu Smith might be missing another game this week, and that's really tough. However, 
you have an opportunity here to potentially bail out somebody. You've got two good tight ends on your roster. Look at John New Smith's number, 8.3, right behind Mo Ali Cox. This is a guy that can catch touchdowns. This is a guy eventually Tennessee will be back on the field. And when they are, uh, I think John New Smith is the real deal. I do not think these first few weeks that you saw him was a mirage whatsoever. And the last guy on this list is somebody we just got back healthy who played Thursday night. And there's always negativity when around teams that are winless. And the Jets, last time I checked, are winless. But Jamison Crowder, no matter who's playing quarterback, if it's Flacco, if it's Sam Darnold, it would certainly be better. There's no doubt about that. But this is another opportunity when you look at Jamison Crowder. He is making the most of the targets he's getting, and he's adding on to those targets with extra yards. So I think these are four players that when you're evaluating them, you don't just look at the yardage totals or the receptions. You look at some stat like yards after catch, and you say, okay, this is a player that's actually adding to his totals and something that that portends very well as you move forward into the season because he'll make the most of his opportunities and, you know, just as well as everybody else. One point here or there could be the difference in winning or losing a matchup. Yeah, especially the first two players that we were discussing there. I think that there's some uh, really good opportunities to maybe take advantage of some advanced metrics. But again, uh, the stats don't always tell the entire story. We have a very short sample on on Jonu Smith, and we have no quarterback with the Jets. So those are just mm-hmm. two things to also keep in mind when you're making decisions on particular players. Uh, how about at running back, Joe? Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very, you know, probably very concerned that we haven't talked about Kareem Hunt yet here on the show. So well, uh, we are twenty nine minutes in. So let's let's make sure that we get him in here on the show today. I got to be honest with you, Craig. I had no intentions of bringing him up, but the stats mm. are the stats. And you know, I, I know for breakfast you had a nice big bowl of Kareem of wheat, and you get all ready for the show. I know I had mine, and maybe we'll have to do a little promo for that here on the program. But we're talking about hey, twenty nine minutes defenders. is a long time without mentioning him once on a show. Well, I mean, that's... it was. Oh, I would say too long. It really is. I agree. And, uh, and if he has a big game, boy, I can't imagine what Monday's going to be like. I'm sure we're just going to skip oh, right over him, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'll put, him, I'll put um, a picture I, of him in my office here in the background. You know, I, I think you're just jelly because you don't have enough shares. Do you have any roster shares of Kareem Hunt on any of your two fantasy teams you have this I'm year? Only, I'm, no, I'm only in two leagues. So, no, but I, I okay. do have – I'm a proud owner of Dearness Johnson, though. I did put my money where I hope you did get Dearness. Well, I hope that D works out for you. Uh, let's talk about uh, eight-plus defenders in the box. And what this means is the percentage of times that – running backs are facing eight in the box. And these are a lot of running backs that are very much in discussions we've been having here, not only on the show, but I think are in the fantasy community at large right now. So what does that mean? Well, it means that this is basically guys who are having to outperform considering that defenses know what they're going to do. And some of them are still outperforming those expectations regardless. So in terms of the percentage, a third of the time leading the league is Mike Davis, believe it or not, seeing 33% Eight plus defenders in the box. Now that is tremendous considering that Mike Davis is putting up some pretty good fantasy stats in the last few weeks since Christian McCaffrey's gone down. He's actually averaging 4.4 yards per carry. So this is a guy who's actually outperforming all that. And I understand there's a there's a window here where we're gonna get Christian McCaffrey back, and probably Mike Davis is going to fade away a little bit. However, I think Mike Davis becomes a very interesting guy to pick up in dynasty leagues potentially going forward because there's always going to be opportunities for running backs who are performing well to end up on another team somewhere. And with the Christian McCaffrey contract and probably a lot of other contracts that are continuing to grow on the Carolina Panthers, Mike Davis might actually end up somewhere else next year. And I think it was really interesting to see just how well he's performed this year with Stacked boxes, again, a third of the time, Craig, this was really surprising for me. And you see that 4.4, that's a pretty good number, all things considered. 
What are your thoughts on Mike Davis? Not this year, but more long-term. Do you think this guy will get some tread somewhere else when McCaffrey comes back? And maybe next year, this is a guy you could buy for next to nothing, maybe in a, in a dynasty or keeper league and see what happens with him in 2021. Yeah, he's proved he could play. So I, I don't know what his contract status is or if he was signed to a one-year deal. It's probably my bad for not checking on that before the show today. But if he's a free agent at the end of the year, I would think that some team would put him on a Matt Breida deal. The only difference between him and Matt Breida is they're going to have to play this guy. Mm-hmm. And the Dolphins are really not <laughs> playing Matt Breida. They finally did this past week, and I think that they will move forward with him. Breida finally got a handful of snaps. Uh, but look, Davis showed a lot of talent. I, I thought that he looked pretty good in previous years, too. And if he is on a one-year deal, I could see him getting an opportunity somewhere else. But I, could, I do got to be honest. They didn't pay McCaffrey all that money to have him lose 20% of the snaps on Sunday. So no. uh, right now, Hell you got to no. ride him while you can. And and then hope that at the end of the year, he ends up in a better spot for sure. And then in terms of Taylor, look, I'm very happy to see him playing as well as he has. Uh, I, I Look, at this stage, my jury is still a little bit out on him. He doesn't have great quarterback mm-hmm. play. He doesn't have great wide receiver play. He has very good offensive line play. But what he's done thus far is kind of what he did at Wisconsin. So that's a good sign. If he's going to get his 25 carries and 100 yards, He's not going to be a breakaway guy, but he's going to get so much volume in that offense that you can't ignore him in fantasy. So I am curious to see how he moves forward. But there, it's undeniable at this point with Mac gone and them not using Hines that the way the Colts play, even if he's not a star, the volume that he's going to get is is leading him to be a, a very important fantasy asset moving forward. And he's performed pretty well. And look how many times he's facing a stack box. 32% of the time, almost as much as Mike Davis. Now, the average isn't quite as high. He's at 3.8, but you're right. This is a team right now that's going to play defense and run the football. And it's shocking to see that Hines' best game came in the one week where he had three running backs active on the roster, right? And ever since he's done nothing, and ever since Marlon Mack got hurt, it's been all Jonathan Taylor. And as a rookie... Facing this many stack boxes, this is a tough, tough assignment, and I think he's doing really well, all things considered. So you could look at this, and if you think, well, Taylor's been good, but maybe not great, look, he's working at a deficit right now. So the fact that he's performing as well as he is speaks to what kind of long-term prospect this guy could actually be. So everybody who's excited about Jonathan Taylor, you should continue to be so. Uh, Kareem Hunt running at 30% of the time against uh, stack boxes, eight in the box. He's got a 5.5 yards per carry. I'm just saying. He's the third highest here on this list, but the highest yardage. So this guy has been very efficient. Now, look, part of that was because Nick Chubb was basically wearing down these defenses and then Kareem Hunt would come in late and look fantastic. Now, if the shoe's on the other foot and Hunt is the first one, that's going to be very different. Let's see how he responds then. My guess is he'll be pretty good because when he played for the Chiefs, he was still pretty darn good. He was basically a top five running back at that point. So far, he kind of looks like the same guy now, rejuvenated. However, if Dearness Johnson kind of takes that chub role early a little bit or they're split early, this could change and bring that yards per carry number down a little bit. But you know what the Browns are going to do. The Browns are going to run the football. And the last guy on this list is a guy we were just talking about yesterday. And I thought this was fascinating. I wanted to bring it up. Mark Ingram facing a stack box 29% of the time. Why? Because the Ravens are predictable. They are not prolific throwers of the football. However, you look at this, you know, yards per carry, they weren't very good. Now, when you're adding on to who has the best yards per carry and actually more stack boxes face, it's actually Gus Edwards. So it's not J.K. Dobbins. It's not Mark Ingram. And I kind of want to put this out to you. Do you think a guy who is very familiar with the offense, a guy who's had some good games here in the past for the Ravens, Do you think at some point in time, maybe it's not Dobbins, maybe it's not Ingram, 
but maybe just maybe Gus Edwards over the next few weeks kind of emerges as a guy because his yards per carry are higher and his stack box percentage is higher than Mark Ingram. I thought that was interesting food for thought, Craig. I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I don't know that any Ravens running back is worth starting and owning, and that really opened my eyes up for that specifically. I feel really good about the other three guys that you mentioned, but now that I see the teams basically are stacking the box against the Ravens, I don't feel good about starting any of them, and I certainly don't feel better about Mark Ingram after reading this, unfortunately. And I'm an Ingram owner, but that's one of the reasons why I had to go get this kid uh, on Cleveland to make sure I got my you-know-what covered uh, moving forward in fantasy. So it'll be interesting to see, but I think that you can use that in your fantasy preparation and certainly make your own key decisions at the end of the day as to who you think will be the most important part for your fantasy team moving forward. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that going into this week, Joe, it's certainly going to be interesting and we'll have to dive in a little bit deeper on the waiver wire this week. And I know a lot of teams are going to be looking at players having bye weeks and, and I think that you're going to be seeing people using players and flex options they never thought that they would. Like, you're going to be looking at your team and your opponent's team and going, wait a second here. Like, how did we get here? But here we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll take especially a quick break. in the deeper league. Yeah. We'll take a quick break here on Fantasy Sports Today. So make sure you stay tuned and stay on the grid. Joe and I will be right back here with more. Follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid. Follow me on Twitter at Craig Mitch. Joe on Twitter at JoePZP17. We'll be back after this. Don't go SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It's Waiver Wire Wednesday here on Fantasy Sports Today. Probably the most important Waiver Wire we've seen in a long time for people, and I don't even know if it's going to be the waiver wire necessarily. I, I would call it a very big ad drop for people because the waiver wire may not even be doing this justice because we're not going to know a lot of information going into the weekend. And and honestly, a lot of what we're probably going to talk about today may be irrelevant tonight or tomorrow. So take everything certainly with a grain of salt. It is going to be the fantasy football owner's job, if you are serious about this this week, to be on social media and and mm. watching shows like this and then watching our live shows here on Sports Grid over at Daily Roto, just figuring out how to navigate this week because nothing is certain going into the weekend. And as we sit here today on Wednesday, we still don't know, in addition to the bye weeks, if four other teams are going to be playing on Sunday. So got to keep an eye on that. And that's why it's a it, this this is more of a fluid waiver wire than anything else. But, Joe, certainly we can take a look at some potential players who are sitting out there and and throw some caveats around, which is, I think, what we have to do going into this. It's actually a, a, a better grouping than you might think in terms of availability, which is good because you're going to need a lot of them between the bye weeks and the COVID stuff happening and uncertainty with a couple games here going on. It's actually not that bad. Uh, it's bad for the Nick Chubb owner. It's bad for the Saquon Barkley owner still. You know, you're still trying to fill those spots potentially. But let's take a look at running backs, and at least there's a few bodies out there that have some upside, and I think that's what you're always looking for. So top of this list for me is Chase Edmonds. And I know coach speak isn't a big deal, but Cliff Kingsbury has been pretty spot on. Everything that he has said in this offseason and running up until has basically come to fruition. And one of the things that he said was, 
Chase Edmonds is a starting running back in the NFL. And my ears kind of perked up then. I said, okay, well, let's see what happens here with Kenyon Drake. And I was a Kenyon Drake guy, and I was excited about him, yet I did not want to pay the Kenyon Drake price because I thought it was a little high in terms of ADP. Now we're a month into the season. Drake's a little banged up. I think Chase Edmonds has some opportunities here, and he is just rostered 35% of leagues. I actually thought that was kind of surprising. I thought that number would be higher. But basically, he's out there pretty much. Uh, the next guy on this list is Damian Harris, who got activated right before. And this guy I do have a ton of shares of, all on the uh, IR. And he got activated right before Monday Night Football, had 17 carries for 100 yards, and was very eye-opening. Now, of course, at some point in time when Cam Newton comes back, we don't know how that's going to work out. But for now, Sony Michelle's banged up. There might be opportunity for Damian Harris. He did have one long breakout run there for 40-plus yards. But still, 17 for 100 is 17 for 100, and that's nothing to sneeze at. If you get a little bit better quarterback play, certainly a better matchup against Denver at home for them this week, not having to face Patrick Mahomes. Still, I think Damian Harris is a guy worth adding. Tony Pollard, a lot of people are speculating about, well, you know, this could be a blowout game here for Dallas and maybe Pollard get some carries or some work late. Plus, Zeke has had some fumble issues. I wouldn't be going too crazy on this one. However, the next two, I think, are very important. Next two names on this list is Justin Jackson. Now, Joshua Kelly is over 50% in terms of rostered right now, so probably a coin flip. He's still available in any of your leagues. Most likely he is not. However, Justin Jackson is just 6%, and I think that's a guy that we've seen a little bit before. He is not new to this team, new to this offense. There's definitely some opportunity here for him, especially, especially because Joshua Kelly has not one, but two big fumbles in big spots already this year. And I think that is going to start to weigh on the coaching staff of how much of a workload he could potentially get. Kelly definitely has more upside than Justin Jackson. I definitely think Kelly has looked better than what I've seen this year than Justin Jackson last year. But you and I both know it's about protecting the football. And if you can't do that, you're going to lose out carries. So Justin Jackson becomes a guy that's very important to look at this week and be aggressive on. And the last one is Dearness Johnson. Uh, with Nick Chubb out for the next six weeks or so, you're going to get a real chance to see how much this guy is going to work in this offense. Now, he's just 3% rostered uh, in terms of his upside. We saw a little of it this week. Uh, obviously, against the Dallas Cowboys defense, not very good. He's going to have some tougher matchups coming up very soon. In fact, these next two matchups aren't great. But the one thing you do know, Craig, is that the Cleveland Browns are going to run the football and run the football and then run the football some more. So I do not think this two-headed monster concept is going away. I do think it's going to be, instead of a 50-50, more of a 60-40. But that 40% in an offense that runs the ball more than anybody else in the NFL, that still could be pretty good for a flex spot at the very least. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping for a few things here. The first thing is that I did bid quite a bit on Darius Johnson in one of the leagues that I'm in. And in the other league that I'm in, and I've mentioned that I'm only in two, I'm actually in three leagues this year, I take it back. But in the in the second league that I'm in, that's a redraft league, I we use waiver position, and I had the third overall pick in the draft. And so basically every time that somebody gets taken off the waiver wire, you move up. I haven't used my waiver yet until this week, and I will be using it on Darius Johnson if I get him. The person who's first could make that move and snag him. But in my estimation... If the way that this is playing out this week plays out where you have a possibility of more teams missing games, I think Darius Johnson is going to be started in every fantasy league going into this week. I think that there's a good chance Jackson will be started in every fantasy mm -hmm. league going into this week, given the volume of a 12-team league. Uh, Pollard is a great handcuff for Zeke Elliott. In both leagues that I have Zeke Elliott, I have Pollard. Um, in terms of uh, Edmonds, Edmonds I also have, so I'm sort of rooting for his situation to get a little bit better I saw him play last year. I thought he was pretty good, and I'm not a Drake fan, so I thought that maybe he would get there, but I don't think Drake is going away, and he could get the goal line carries. And then in terms of Harris, 
Harris did play, and he played very well last week, there's no doubt, but that game is in jeopardy this week. So if I'm going to unload, it is not going to be on him, that's for sure. He may be a factor at some point this season, maybe even later on in the season, but uh, look, the Patriots' running back situation is no different this year than it's been since they had Corey Dillon. They use a lot of guys, and it's never going to change. They always do this. It's played out this year, and I think that that will continue. If you could get him for cheap, of course, grab him, but I am not spending any crazy money on someone that I don't even know if the guy's going to play on Sunday at all. Uh, All right, let's move over to wide receiver. And a couple of young guys on here, Joe, that we have a possibility of adding this week, one on Cincinnati and one on Jacksonville. Yeah, look, T. Higgins has been really good so far in the last two games. And T. Higgins had a really good college career, so I don't think this is a fluke whatsoever. It seems like he is kind of stepping into that void where A.J. Green's targets are starting to get moved on a little bit. And I think after the first week, everyone was kind of wondering, wow, is T. Higgins for real? And I think the answer right now is yes. I think going forward, he has that wide receiver four kind of upside, maybe even wide receiver three if things really play out down the stretch. So I would be aggressive. Just 33% rostered right now is T. Higgins. Traquan Smith, I guarantee you he's going to get dropped in a lot of leagues this week because when Michael Thomas comes back, people say, ah, I forget it. He's not useful anymore. So keep an eye out. Not only is he just rostered in just almost 30% of leagues anyway, but if he is rostered and someone drops him, like Craig is saying, there's going to be a lot of need for bodies this week. I would absolutely be looking, especially those teams that have Michael Thomas, and now they're going to activate Michael Thomas and probably need a roster move and probably have to drop him. I would be on Traquan Smith just to see because there is a slight chance that going forward, maybe he is the second guy, not Emmanuel Sanders, and keep an eye on that because he has been much better this year and did shine in these moments he's been given opportunity. LaVisca Chenault is an injury risk if you go back to the college days, but still 24% rostered. This is a guy that has big play upside, and I think that's what you're looking for this week with so many potential injuries with the bye and the COVID situation. So LaVisca Chenault could be a decent flex play, uh, decent matchup as well for him. Scotty Miller, it's a Thursday night game. I know he didn't practice yesterday, but nobody practiced yesterday for the Bucs, so I wouldn't worry too much about that he was playing and he looked good on sunday 16 percent rostered and look he had a big game maybe tim patrick has a back-to-back big game here maybe just maybe especially if gilmore is out and they get this game off i understand this is more of a deeper league play however it's something to keep an eye on with the denver broncos you might be desperate for a wide receiver especially if you had lazard or Devonte adams or any of those guys that have been hurt or on a buy now kenny galladay's on a buy this week all of a sudden there might be a bigger need for wide receiver but i think t higgins is the guy especially i would be most aggressive on because there's an opportunity for him to continue to grow in this offense and be that true number two with tyler boyd and with a guy throwing 300 yard games back to back to back that's pretty exciting from a fantasy standpoint craig yeah, Traquan Smith is is clearly very interesting, and I'd have to go back and look at it, but it feels like to me that Traquan Smith has yet to put back-to-back fantasy games together. That's the way it feels like. It feels like just when you want to trust him and start him, and you don't, then he has the big game, and then when you do start him, he doesn't. So we know that he's basically played four games this season, and he's had two really good games. Can he do it again this week? And even with Michael Thomas coming back, I think that to me is the important part of it because I'm invested in him in a dynasty league. I'm invested in him in a season long league, but I just don't think that I could start him. I just don't know if I can trust him. So that's a very important one. T Higgins was a star in college and look, the way the borough is going at this point, he certainly has, has factored into the equation. No doubt a lot of the rookie wide receivers have him. So that's certainly positive in terms of Miller. we got to wait on the injury report, scouting report. And Patrick just is like a buck guy. If, if you want to mm-hmm. throw a, oh, a yeah. dart at that. He's absolutely a buck yeah. guy. And, you know, I'll throw one guy out there, too, who I was shocked that was still floating around some waiver wires. 
Cole Beasley in a full point PPR. Cole Beasley's out there in a full point PPR. I would throw three, four bucks on him because that's a guy, it's not sexy, but you know what? He can get you double digit points every week. And it's one of those things where you just look up and he's he's just kind of doing it. He's not great. He's not going to catch a million touchdowns, but the way Josh Allen's been playing and the way the Buffalo Bills have been playing, obviously this week that game is in danger, but that might also make him even cheaper this week. Start to think a little long-term here. Beasley, I think, is going to be like last year where not an exciting play, but maybe worth rostering. All right, this last group here are the tight ends and the quarterback, so let's take a look at those guys here. Moelle Cox, who we just talked about in the last segment, making the most out of his carries and his catches, 32% rostered. I think Moelle Cox is a guy with some tight end upside, tight end one low end maybe when everything is said and done. He's catching touchdowns. He's a big body in the red zone. Of course, everybody's going to be running to get the Robert Tanyan shares. However, he's on a bye this week, but add him anyway. Adam, anyway, is probably going to be a little cheaper to do it. 23% rostered, not so bad there. Uh, going over to the quarterbacks here, you've got two names on this list. you got Kirk Cousins, who uh, starting to play a little better in terms of fantasy. Look, they're still <laughs> a work in progress. The Vikings, they don't have a great matchup this week to come out with a W, but I think in those super flex leagues, you can start to feel better about Kirk Cousins again. And then there's Teddy Bridgewater. Great matchup this week for him against the Falcons. If you need to stream a quarterback, Hey, in a deeper league, I think he could do worse than Teddy B. Also on Fandle, he's just 71K. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to have some pretty high roster percentage going into Sunday on the main slate because of that matchup against the Falcons. But, hey, Teddy B's getting the job done with Mike Davis and Robbie Anderson and company. Yeah, and, and you're right. Bridgewater has a great matchup. That, to me, is one of the more intriguing games of the week because the line is so strange in that game going into the game. So. It makes me think Atlanta's going to win. I, I don't understand how the Falcons can be favored, and so it tells me that that's the right side in that one because Carolina has looked much better than Atlanta. But I guess that'll be a story for tomorrow here on the show on, on mm, Fantasy Sports. Tease! So, I love that. A little, little could it be wrong the wrong favored. team favored? Hmm? Possibly, Must, maybe. It, it, I don't it, know. It's going to have to uh, be. Look, because well, Julio Jones is Atlanta has no business being favored, so why are they? I don't know, especially with Julio potentially being out of that game. That's 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 not a good thing at all. Um, I don't know. It's it's puzzling. I I think I don't know how you feel about it, but watching Carolina, the thing going in, we all said, look, it's going to be a tough year for them defensively because they were so young. But maybe the one thing we're not counting on is the young defense is still pretty fast, and the young defense might be having a little bit of a learning curve and maybe they're starting to pick things up a little bit and that's good. And they also don't know any better. They don't know that they're not supposed to be good. So maybe the youth and inexperience in a way for the Carolina Panthers is starting to play up a little bit. And by the time CMC comes back, Hey, if you get this win this week, if you're the Panthers, Craig, you are now three into two, you're going to get your best player. One of the best players in football back in a couple weeks. There's no reason for the Panthers not to think that they can compete because I don't think their division's all that great necessarily. I think you'd agree. So why not the Carolina Panthers? Oh, wait, it is that great. You got New Orleans and Tampa. But who knows? Maybe, just yeah, maybe. Extra team gets in. Get maybe in. eight and eight gets them in. I think this is perplexing to me and maybe something that will have to be discussed. Has the coach ever gone from coaching as an offensive coordinator in college and winning a national championship, being an offensive coordinator in his first year in the NFL, and then becoming a head coach? Because I got to tell you, if Joe Burke has this team winning nine games with that rule, I honor this guy to be in the NFL. Mm. Fantasy is next. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Today. Brian Flores, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, was asked today about Tua and said that he is not ready to be our starting quarterback in the NFL. So take what you want from that. doesn't look like we're on the verge of seeing him in an NFL uh, game yet, although that could change pretty quickly in the NFL, as we will talk about with the Washington football team coming up very Mm. soon. Speaking of quarterbacks, Joe, let's do a little quarterback trivia to end our one. All right, so quarterback rating this year, we've had a lot of good quarterback play. There's no doubt about that. Some emerging quarterbacks as well that we didn't really expect. But which one of these quarterbacks has the best QBR on the 2020 season so far? Is it A, Russell Wilson of the Seattle Seahawks, everybody's MVP? Is it B, Aaron Rodgers of Green Bay, the rejuvenated Aaron Rodgers? Or is it C, Josh Allen, who nobody thought would be this good of a passer this year, but my goodness, he has emerged very quickly and developed on the fly. So, Wilson, Rodgers, or Allen, who has the best QBR, Craig Mish? Is there a D, option D, or no? No? D is none of the above. How's that? I would have put Kareem Hunt in the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let me tell you, if Kareem Hunt has two touchdowns and 100 yards, I'm going to be eating a bowl of Kareem of wheat. Right, we got a little picture with it. I'm going to do the whole thing. It's going to be beautiful. You just wait. All right, here we go. So I will say the highest quarterback rating is B, Aaron Rodgers. You got one. Ding, ding, ding. Tell him what he's won. He's won the self-respect of the adoring audience. That's what Craig Mish has won. Yes, it's Aaron Rodgers. 92.8. You finally got on the board. Who's number two? You want to take a little guess on who number two is? Is it Allen? Hey, you know, the thing is, the quarterback rating is is so dumb. It doesn't incorporate (laughs) rushing touchdowns. It doesn't make sense. Like, Josh Allen is is the best of these three. Like, really, honestly. But he's Well, Josh Allen has a better... Josh Allen has a better QBR than Russell Wilson. Fun fact. uh, 87.1, Russell Wilson, 82.8. So there you go. Let me tell you, I got to check the the odds on FanDuel. I think Josh Allen's a good bet for... for, um, MVP. For MVP, but he's going to get hurt this week if they postpone that game. You know that's not going to help his Maybe. stats. I hope they don't do that. But that that would that would kind of hurt it. I need to know that he's playing this week. He cannot afford. You can't win the MVP in the NFL. I don't think with having more stats than somebody else. I haven't seen that. We'll be right back on Fantasy Sports today. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 